Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. How much thought have you given to being close to Jesus? The night before the cross, Jesus was teaching the apostles how to stay close to Him and reflect Him to the world after He returns to heaven. This is so important for all of us if we want to have a living and vibrant experience with Jesus. The first thing we must do is put our trust in Jesus. The second thing is we must remain with Jesus. That means to stay actively involved with Jesus. Today, we begin another message in our series, The Abiding Christian. Let's join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, The Three R's of the Abiding Life. Well, I'd like to read our verses again to you, John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. If you abide in me, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Well, many years ago, there was a time in my life when I had to go on a number of business trips to meet people that I spoke with on the telephone daily. Remember, we business, those of you who've been around a long time, we used to speak to people all of the time. And many of you know the drill uh, going on a business trip. You drive to the airport, you hop on the plane, you land, you either get a taxi or a car service, or you rent a car. Then you go over to your hotel if it's a multi-day trip. Uh, you're eating out generally, and then you're involved in meetings most of the day. Uh, the man I spoke with the most was a man uh, that I spoke to a few times a day, sometimes five, six times a day, and his name was Butch. And Butch lived in San Antonio, Texas. And I told Butch that, Butch, I'm coming down to San Antonio, and this is my itinerary. Just wanted to let you know what's going on. And he says to me in his Texas accent, you're not staying in a hotel, Jim. He said, you're staying at my house. You won't need a car because I'm going to come pick you up in my pickup truck. And during the day, we went around to some places, and there were indeed some, some formal meetings. But at night, I stayed with Butch at his house. And uh, we, his wife treated us like a king, fed us really well. Uh, I rested there. Uh, interestingly enough, what we did was he really loved that TV series, Lonesome Dove, and in the time, few days that I was there, we watched the whole Lonesome Dove series, and he narrated it along with it, telling me about each character. He'd watched it so many times. If you haven't seen it, it's six and a half hours long. We didn't do it all in, in one night, uh, but we did that. And so again, there I got to, after a day's work, I got to rest, and I got to relax, and I relied on Butch and his wife for all that I needed. In some ways, that was, is similar to the title of what I've entitled today's message, The Three R's of the Abiding Life. The Three R's of the Abiding Life. And, and here they are. We'll go through them again slowly. Remain, which you might say stay. Remain, rest, and rely. Remain, rest, and rely. So let's set the context. It's the night before the cross, before Jesus dies on the cross for the sins of the world. And we have to stop there for one second and talk about what we mean by that. Uh, what we mean by Jesus died for the, on, on the cross, so whoever would put their 
trust in him would receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Theologians call that saying it's being actualized. And the last supper has ended the night before the cross. And Jesus is giving his final instructions uh, to the apostles. And it's kind of interesting the way you, if you know the relationship up to this point in time between Jesus and the apostles, I used to think the apostles were these mighty guys who walked like a foot off the ground, but they were kind of bumbling when, G, when they were walking around with Jesus. And, and so it was sort of like the way a, a mother births a baby, it seems like for them, the umbilical cord is about to be cut but Jesus will still be with them even after he dies and ascends into heaven through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Now, whether the apostles realize it or not, Jesus is teaching them how to carry on spreading the good news and living the Christian life, what Jesus calls fruit or being fruitful. He's teaching them how they are going to do it without him. Now, there's an important tension. We've talked about this many times before, but it's good to remind ourselves of this, or maybe you're new with us and you have welcome. You haven't heard this stuff before, but there's an important tension as we study the word of God. And it is between, on the one hand, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Now, they're not opposites, they, they work together in tension. Some of you have heard maybe the tension of a bridge. If the tension isn't correct, then the bridge falls into the ocean. So tension is a good thing when it's perf- in perfect balance. You may want to word it this way. There's God's part and there's our part. In chapter 14, Jesus largely talked about God's part. Here in chapter 15, which we've been studying for the past few weeks, It's explaining our part. Jesus has been teaching us that our relationship with him is like a branch. We are the branch and it is connected to a vine. Jesus is the vine. So let's just go over a couple basic things. How do we get connected to the vine? The first thing is we must be in Christ. We call that being saved or salvation. That is God's part. It's not our part, it's God's part. The second thing is, we we talked about uh, God the Father was the gardener and, and the gardener will prune or clean us so we bear more fruit. That is God's part, not our part. God's the gardener, he's the, he does the pruning or cleaning. The third part is that we must remain or stay connected to the vine. The branch must stay connected to the vine. Remember last week we said, a branch that is not connected to the vine is dead, it is just a stick. We must stay connected to the vine and that is our part. And that's what we want to focus on today. So if you're taking notes, the first R in, 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 of the abiding life is remain. Remain in Christ. Verse seven, we're going to spend almost the entirety of the message today on verse seven. So don't worry, but it's like, oh my goodness, he hasn't even gotten to verse eight yet. We're gonna spend almost the entirety of the message on verse seven. And we're gonna break it up actually into three parts, which is why I wanted to read the, the whole part, the whole text first. He says this, if you abide in me, let, let's just stop right there. He says, Jesus says to them, 
And to us, remember the apostles are representative disciples. A disciple is simply a learner and follower of Jesus. If, I call this the massive if. This is, a, this is huge, this if. You, you may want to circle that in your Bible and draw an arrow all the way out to the margin, right? Massive if. If you abide in me. Another version says, if you remain in me, or if a man remains, or woman remains in me. That's where I get the R for on this, for remain. Now, it's an important reminder to us, or if you haven't been with us, uh, this life is for those that we're talking about in chapter 15, is for those that are in Christ. Judas has already left. He's not part of this discussion. They're for those that are in Christ, or what we call sometimes rescued by Christ or safe in Christ. They have, as Jesus said, repented and believed. To repent is to turn, so they turn away from their self-directed life, away from their sinful life, and they, uh, they turn to God for the God-directed life, and they believe or they trust in Jesus the way to get to heaven, the way to the, have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven with God. So right out of the box, I just want to tell you something right now. If you're here today and you're listening to us, watching us, and you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're like, I, I want to be, I just don't know what I need to do. What does my response need to be to God? It is simply, you need to respond by repenting and believing, by turning to God and putting your trust in Jesus. And, and you know what? you can actually do that right now. That's actually something that's very quick. You can basically say in some sense to God, Lord, I know my life's not fruitful because I'm not connected to you. I know I'm not, I don't know you. I know I'm not in Christ because I'm not connected to you. I'm gonna turn to you now because I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead and by trusting in him and not myself anymore, if you think you're going to heaven because you're a good person, you're trusting in yourself, but I'm gonna trust in Jesus' perfect life and death and resurrection, and I know that by doing that, you're going to receive me into your kingdom. Friend, you can do that right now, right where you are. In other places in the Gospel of John, the word for abide or remain is translated the word stay. Let me give you an example. Back in John chapter one, you can turn there if you want, or we can put the words up on the screen. It says this in chapter one, verse 37 through 39. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. One of them was Andrew, who's the apostle Peter's brother. Verse 38, then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, Uh, Then there's this editorial that John puts in there, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? Where are you abiding? He said to them, Jesus said, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and notice this, they remained with him that day. Now there's an interesting parenthesis right after that. It says, now it was about the 10th hour. That tells us in their time of stay, uh, it was about 4 p.m. What does that have to do with the story? You know, actually not much of anything other than the fact that it's getting late. That lets us know there's an eyewitness account provided those little details. One of the reasons we know that the scripture is true. 
So part of abiding in Christ is staying with Jesus. It is being with Jesus. It is getting to know Jesus. It is both talking to him, and I would say, more importantly, it is listening to him. Now, many, many people who, whether they were raised in the church or they are committed followers of Jesus Christ, know what Jesus said is the greatest commandment that you are to, and it actually comes from the Old Testament, but Jesus said you are to love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. So that would be the greatest commandment. But I think it's fair to say that abiding is the follower of Jesus's greatest responsibility. So on the one hand, we have the greatest commandment, how we are to love God, but our greatest responsibility, I believe, is to abide in Christ. Because if we don't abide, if we don't remain, if we don't stay with Jesus, we can't go anywhere in the Christian life. We'll find the Christian life empty and frustrating. You say, well, who do you think you are to say that? I didn't say it. Don't you remember verse five of this chapter? Jesus said, for without me, you can do nothing. Another version said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, loved ones, please pay attention. This is a conscious decision. It's a conscious choice. Every individual follower of Jesus must make. It is a responsibility that is a matter of the will. Let me slow down. I don't want anybody to miss this. Jesus is commanding us to abide in the vine. It's a great responsibility. So therefore, it must be on our part a conscious decision, which a lot of you have been telling me, like I'm really trying to be aware of abiding in the vine, music to a pastor's ear. This is a conscious decision, a conscious choice that every individual follower of Jesus must make. It is a matter of the will. Like any relationship we have, we must choose to participate. We must choose to stay in a good relationship, actively involved and actively engaged. And as we will see, this is impossible with God apart from the word of God in prayer. And when we come to the New Testament letters of the apostles, they will really stress in addition to the word of God in prayer, the necessity of being engaged in church life. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But I would say that there's actually even more. I would say that abiding in Christ will give you the confidence of knowing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. That you have really trusted in him and your faith has been actualized in your life. It's in motion in your life. It's not a dead thing. It's a, it's a living faith. And you will know that God, when you're living for Christ, when you're abiding, you will know that you have been received by God, as the scripture says, the apostle Paul told us, by grace through faith. By grace, God's part, through faith, your part. 
Now, we could argue all afternoon about where the faith comes from, whether that came from within us or God gave it to us. I'll let you and your friends uh, talk about that one over lunch. But you, whether, no matter, even if God gave it to you, remember, you do have to believe and I have to believe. Now, let's think about our relationship with God for a second. I've heard a lot of people say, um, God hates me. You know, you just don't understand, God hates me. Well, you can't be in a good relationship with someone who can't stand you. So you gotta throw that one right out the window. And, and you also can't be in a good relationship with someone that you can't stand because you will ultimately not trust them and you will ultimately doubt their care for you. So if you doubt God's care for you, simply look at the cross on a daily basis and you will see God's love and care for you. You see, in any relationship this is true, and it's certainly true with God, is you really won't believe, trust, that God has received you, or God loves you, or God cares for you, or wants a relationship with you, if you're completely always focused on yourself. And a lot of us don't realize that in America, we are very much marketed to trust in ourselves or only care about ourselves. We need to put our trust in what Christ has done for you, what the Father has done for us through his Son. And we have to stay there. We have to stay there. We have to remain there. The second R in abiding in Christ is resting in Christ. Resting in Christ. Let's continue in verse seven. We just read this. If you abide in me, and there's something else. After the big if, there's one condition, and now there's a second condition on it. If my words abide in you. Stop right there. My words abide in you. So to abide in Christ, again, our greatest responsibility, arguably our greatest responsibility as Christians, our part, We must remain with Jesus. We must stay close to Jesus. And he says, and my words abide in you. We must rest in his words. Now, how can you rest in Jesus's words or Jesus's word if you don't know what it says? You can't. Now, sometimes people say, well, I learned it when I was a kid. It's a living word. It's living and breathing. It, 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 it comes to you and talks to you about different things in your life. And let's say you're 30. You need to know different things about your life than you needed to know when you were five. <laughs> so the same verse that might be mommy and daddy taught a five-year-old is not gonna have the same effect on the verse that it's going to have on you now as a 30-year-old. So in this sense when we talk about his word living inside of us, and John chapter one puts the word in Jesus as being interchangeable, we realize the promise of Jesus living inside of us is experienced by his word living inside of us. I find sometimes it goes like this. I'm, I'm reading my Bible and all of a sudden I'm just shocked. Now, why would I be shocked on something I've read over and over again? Because as I'm reading it, God has brought something new to my mind or new to my heart, or I find myself being emotional. You know, I always say, if you, if you don't have a box of tissues where you read your Bible, maybe you should invest in one, 
because all of a sudden something comes to my mind that maybe is very, very sad. Now, resting at God is an interesting thing. We often say, we talk about waiting on the Lord. People are like, what are you doing? They're like, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Waiting is what we do when we're waiting for God to fulfill his promises. Resting is a little bit different. Uh, resting at times is passive. It, it, it's passive. Uh, we transfer the events of our lives to Jesus and we let him handle it. There's nothing we can do about it. Some of you have heard the story that from years ago when I had my back surgery, I was lying in the hallway and they were gonna take me into the operating room. And so the doctor comes up to me and he says, how you doing? And I go, this is great. My poor wife, her face was as white as the snow. And so I said, this is great. And, and he looks at me like, why is this great? I go, there's nothing I can do about this. Because there was a worry that I was going to become, or a concern that I was going to become paralyzed. And so, uh, I mean, I couldn't really move much the, the, my, the lower part of my body. And I said, I'm totally in God's hands. There's nothing I can do about this. So he looks at the nurse, the surgeon looks at the nurse and he goes, it's funny what people say when the, med when the, uh, you know, the, the medicine kicks in and she goes, I haven't given it to him yet. <laughs> and he looked at me like, what kind of a nut job are you? But there was nothing I could do about it. I was totally in God's hands. Notice I didn't say I was in his hands. I was in God's hands. There's other times in our resting when we are active. We obey the word of the Lord and we do the things we know that the word of God would have us to do. So obeying the word of the Lord is a sign that to you that you are resting in Christ's way and not your own. It is a sign that you are living at that moment an abiding life. Well, let's think about the apostles. It's the night before the crucifixion. Soon, they, they, the city's hot. People are looking for Jesus. They're kind of confused. They're young guys, probably late teens, early 20s. And, and soon, it's amazing how much trust Jesus put in somebody of that age. And we, we would never do that, but Jesus does. We should do more of that. Uh, soon, the apostles will be in a panic about Jesus' arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, about the phony trials and convictions as a criminal done by the religious leaders who cannot invoke the death penalty and need to hand him over to the Romans. We studied that in Matthew. The, the religious leaders convict him of blasphemy, saying that he was God, and the Romans of say, they told the Romans, well, he says he's a king, and if he says he's a king, you know what Caesar said, that he's the only king, so Caesar says you have to kill him, and then he's gonna die on the cross. So they're in a complete panic, and it's Jesus seems to be teaching them that his presence with them, his personal dwelling in them, which will take place in the person and power of the Holy Spirit, as we said before, is actually going to be experienced when they realize, not in that necessarily in that moment, but certainly they will later on, that the word of God is dwelling in them. And when you get into the word of God and you get the word of God into you, you will be amazed how often it comes to mind things that you could never remember. Don't worry about getting it exactly right. Don't worry about having the address exactly right, you know, chapter and verse, but just, wow, God says this and this was for that moment. That's why we say sometimes people come out of a sermon, they go, well, I really didn't get much out of it. And I'll always go, today, but you'll need this someday. So this all logically means 
that we cannot have Jesus apart from his word and we can't abide, we can't remain, we can't be attached to the vine without resting in the word of God. Now, this is a little bit sad to me because it seems to me that many people want Jesus without his teaching. Many people want Jesus without the responsibilities that come with being a follower of Jesus, without the responsibilities that the word of God gives to his people. Some people are like, oh, you don't have to do anything. The word of God is constantly telling us for Christians how they are to live out once they put their trust in Jesus Christ. So if you, don't, if you want Jesus, but you don't want his teaching, if you want Jesus, but you're not willing to live up to the best of your can with God's help, the power of the word of God living, living out the Christian life in your life, if you don't want those things, friend, I'm gonna be as honest as I can with you and as loving as I can. You're not abiding. You're just not. See, there's a, there's a big, big problem in the church today. And I want to say it to you as honestly as I can, but perhaps for some of you, you just need the firm love of God's rod and staff, of God's pruning to talk to you at this moment. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.